You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Time to welcome up our preacher, Mike. reach out to Mike and uh, join me in prayer for him. Father, we thank you for your word firstly. Thank you that you've delivered your word to us uh, through inspired writers down through the ages, Lord, that put it all together in the Bible, put it together in uh, one book that we can read through and uh, learn of you, learn of your plan of redemption for us, learn of your heart for humanity. And Lord, Thank you that you also put on the hearts of some people to teach that and to make it known to us. So Lord, I thank you for Mike's heart to share your word with us, to to impart something to us. And Holy Spirit, we open our hearts this morning to hear what he has to say and uh, to receive it and to act on it, Lord. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'll use Mike as a mouthpiece to communicate exactly what it is you want to share with us, that you want to tell us the areas that you want to challenge us in, Lord. We ask that you use Mike and uh, lead him, guide him as he shares this. And uh, Lord, may Jesus be glorified through it all. Amen. Thanks, Ian. So, this morning I would like to um, preach about having a heart of surrender. So, as I've touched in, probably, if you, you might remember the last couple of my sermons, I've touched on having total surrender, but I haven't actually really unpacked that or really explained it. So, I, I feel like I'm get, we'll get into that today and we'll unpack it and just have a look what it actually means to be totally surrendered to God. Um, I was pretty excited, like normal. I started writing this preach last week, and like normal, I got to Friday night and God completely changed it again. So... <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like God wants to, to work in our lives today to highlight um, some things in our life that we might be holding back in, some stuff that we might not be surrendering to Christ. Um, so we'll get into it. The dictionary meaning for surrender is to stop resisting to an enemy or an opponent and submit to their authority. So when we surrender to Christ, it means to lay down our life and allow our desire and sinful ways and lay them down to follow Christ by allowing him to take fully control, and the key word there is full control, and turn from our simple ways. And to live the life that he has called for us. We strive to be more like Christ in everything that we do and the way that we live. So we'll look at the first scripture. If we go to Mark 29.30, if you've got your Bibles. If not, we'll put it up on the screen. And it goes, the most important one answered Jesus is to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is the one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. So we, we all, we've all heard this. It's, it's the greatest commandment there is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all your strength. But to be able to love Christ in all these areas... We need to actually surrender to Christ in all, the, all these areas as well to allow us for that love to be true on Christ. 
He is calling us to love him with every part of our being, what requires us to lay down our life's natural plans and desires to follow him. To truly love him, we need to surrender ourselves in every area he has called to us in the scripture. So how do we surrender every part of our being to Christ? We're going to look look at each of these parts individually. We're going to look at scriptures about them and how we can surrender our life to Christ through those parts. We need to surrender everything in our lives to be able to love the Lord with everything that we have. This is a crucial command. It's the greatest command that Jesus has given us. It's portrayed in both the Old and New Testament. It's one that is a must for us to be able to stay in God's sustained favour. Heart, soul, strength and mind. We need to love the Lord wholeheartedly, but we also need to surrender our desires and allow God to change our desires in these areas to desire his plans for our life. We can't surrender and allow Christ to work for our lives, even if one of these areas in our life is out of line. If we have given Christ everything, our heart, our soul and our strength, but not our mind, we haven't given everything to Christ. And we're still holding on to some part that God has commanded to hand over to him. God wants us to be all in. He would rather us be all in or not at all, as it says in Revelations 3, 15 to 16. I know the deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And then also in Isaiah 29.13. It says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouths and they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in the base, their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. So reading these scriptures should be a massive warning to us. They're actually, they're pretty terrifying. Um, that if we don't give everything to Christ, what is the greatest command, he rather us not give anything at all. He'll spit us out. He wants us to be hot or he wants to be cold. He rather us to be cold for him. He wants us to follow him and allow him to take control of our whole lives. As it says in Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So we, as humans, we can't serve two masters. We need to be serving the one. We need to have all our effort into one area. So even though, even though in Mark the commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your strength and your mind, we need to surrender in these areas, like I mentioned before, to allow us to fully love him and all that we have, keep his commands in total surrender in these areas, is the key to loving Christ. So let's have a look. We'll start off with the heart. So believe it or not, the word heart actually occurs over a thousand times in the Bible. And the Bible actually defines the heart as the centre not only of spiritual activity, but all operations of human life. Yep. So the Bible defines the heart as the centre not only for spiritual activity, but for all operations of the human life. We all know the heart is one of the body's natural, vital organs, but is also just as vital to our spiritual being as well. The Bible is clear as day that the condition of our heart 
is vital to our walk in Christ and who we are. So a couple of Bible verses about the state of our heart in its natural state before we surrender to Christ. So Matthew 15, 18 to 20. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and they, are def- uh, they defile them. From out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defiles a person. By eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. And then Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things but be, and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Because of our, because of our natural hearts uh, of a sinful nature, if we leave them unchecked, our hearts in their natural state will define who we are and who we follow. In their natural state, as Matthew puts it, our hearts come from all types of sin. They desire to sin. And Jeremiah puts it that our hearts are beyond cure. So naturally, if we don't surrender our hearts to Christ, they'll lead us down the wrong path and towards sin. They'll be like a compass that never points north. Or these days, a better interpretation is Google Maps without satellite connection. So whoever came up with the following saying of follow your heart, as we hear so many times these days, obviously never had to navigate Melbourne without Google Maps or a working compass. Our hearts were never designed to be, le- uh, to be followed, but to be led. In the natural state... Do you want me to say that one again? <laughs> All right. Our hearts are never designed to be followed, but to be led. In a natural state, our hearts are a problem. If we follow them, we're in a whole lot of trouble. But we have a saving grace. As our hearts are designed to be led, not followed, we need to surrender our hearts and its desires to Christ, creating us a healthy heart, allowing our hearts to be led by Christ. Don't allow your heart to lead you, but in turn surrender your heart to Christ and allow Jesus to lead you and the desire he has for you in your life. Turn satellite on Google Maps on your life. So in Ezekiel 11.19... I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And Jeremiah 31:33. This is the covenant I'll make with them, the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Christ has put his law in us and writes it on our hearts, changing our desires and teaching us the way to live. When, we change, when Christ changes our hearts, our hearts' desires change. We, instead of following the natural heart towards sin, we follow Christ's desires for us. And the plans that he has for us, instead of chasing sin, that leaves a hollowness inside us, we chase to be more like Christ. And, spirit, and his spirit fills us, that emptiness inside us. All we need to do is surrender our hearts to Christ and allow him to lead. Like in the natural, we need to keep our heart fit and healthy for it to survive. We also need to do this in the spiritual. We need to spend time with God and allow him to grow and soften our hearts to make us more like him each and every day. We need to surrender our hearts and ask him to work in them daily and keep keep them healthy. We need to surrender time to Christ and relationship with Christ. We, we need that relationship to keep our hearts in check and healthy.
we need to be wholehearted about the surrender as well. We need to do this wholeheartedly to Christ. As it said, as it said, to love him with all your heart means everything. Nothing left over. You can't love him 75% and yet have 25% of your heart loving something else. We need to be all in wholeheartedly. Like a marriage, you do anything in that marriage for the person that you love. Christ demands the same love. Just we need to put Christ first before all things. So as I go through all these, since we've been going through the spiritual disciplines and in prayer and how Ian's been giving us scriptures to actually pray through, I've actually come up with a few scriptures at the end that we can pray through to, to I suppose, to keep our hearts in check and healthy and, and just in each area. So this one, I might get you, everyone to read it with me and we'll just do it this way. So Psalm 51.10. And we'll just read it together if, you, if you're willing. So create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So I encourage you guys just to keep track of those scriptures and just pray for them throughout the week as well. So the next, the next aspect in the greatest command was love the Lord your God with all your souls. So our souls is what defines us as a human. In the natural state, they are fallen like the heart. We are sinful beings by default. We have all sinned and none of us are perfect. Um, we need to surrender our souls to God, otherwise we'll just keep on sinning. After all, our souls have come from God. God has given us life. God has breathed his life into us. As it says in Genesis 2.7, We were dust, but Jesus breathed. Oh, there we go. The Lord God formed a man from dust on the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Our souls originally belonged to God. It's the breath of life. We need to live a life worthy of him. We need to represent him in all that we do. Without surrender, we're left to the mercy of our sinful desires and of our fallen self. And we're not much more than a walking dust ball. Here one minute and gone the next. Not without, not really having any meaningful purpose to why we're here. But when Christ is the centre point of it all, of who we are and why we live, we give him control and who we are. And the values of life, when he has control, we strive to represent God in all that we do, our passions, our hungers, our perceptions, our thoughts. But we also... But we are also to love him with how we act and how we talk, how we use our hands and how we utilise our talents and how we react to challenges. Our entire being is to display that we love God and to be on display. Luke 9:59-62 says, He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Jesus asked these guys to come and follow him, but as we see their response, they're not prepared to lay down who they are in this world. Who, who we are quite, can quite often depend on how we're raised and how our parents have brought us up. That quite often creates who we are, but Christ is asking us that our souls be built on him. Jesus gave the option 
to them to follow him, but they were not willing to lay down themselves. So, that's, so for souls, for a prayer verse to pray through during the week, I've got Psalm 103, verse 1 to 4. Praise the Lord, my soul, all the innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget all his benefits, who forgives all your sin and heals your disease, who redeems your life from the pit and the crowns you with love and compassion. So, on to the next, the next vital part of love the Lord. He asks us to love him with all our strength. So surrendering our strength to Christ is very, is very easy just to look at it, that he's calling us to surrender our physical strength to him. But if this was the case, you, just about every Christian would want to be a bodybuilder, yes? They really want to serve God. But luckily, luckily for us, we don't need to spend hours in the gym to get as buff as possible. It's not just talking about physical strength, but it's talking about the, but a person's strength is not simply how strong they are, but what he has to his disposal. The word strength or might in Hebrew means muchness. So actually meaning, so the actual meaning to love the Lord your God with all your strength is to love and surrender all that you have and use it um, to Christ's disposal. So Luke 18, 18 to 27. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit good life, eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No good, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and your mother. All these have, I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You are still lacking one thing. So everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How how hard it is for the rich the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible for man is possible for God. So in this chapter we see we see a guy asking Jesus how he can inherit eternal life. Now reading that scripture he seems like he was a pretty good guy. He tried to keep the laws, he looked after his parents, he seemed like he he was on top of it, but he was missing one aspect. Um I bet when he asked the question, he was expecting Jesus to say, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing an amazing job and I'll see you in heaven. But that's not his, not his reaction. Um, he says, go sell everything you own and give it to the poor. And all of a sudden, this guy becomes sad and depressed. The reason for this is because he's not willing to give his strength to follow Jesus. He was not willing to surrender his riches for Christ. He was ruled by his wealth. And here's a good example of someone wanting to follow Jesus in three of the areas but not willing to give up the the last one, the strength. Like we read before, Jesus wants us to surrender all to him. We need to be fully surrendered or we might as well be none at all. When we surrender our strength to God, we use all that we have to honour God and, and to use our resources of what he has called us to do in the kingdom. 
we've given God all our strength. We're not wasting our energy on the natural things and the things that will pass away in sinful acts, but we're using it to grow his kingdom and bring him glory. But not only bringing him glory, but it also reaches the unsaved. This means the call to love God is not only our physical muscle, but everything that we have available to us, to our disposal, to honour God, which includes our spouses, our children, our houses, all our skills, everything that we have to use at our disposal, God has called us to use to love him with all our strength. As we, a good example of someone just using all that they have was David in 2 Samuel 6.14, um, wearing a linen e-pod, David was dancing for the Lord with all his might. So with everything he had, David was worshipping and praising God. So a prayer for strength. Psalm 46, 1-3. to It says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth will give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though the waters roar and foam, the mountains quake with all their surge. Cool. So we come to the fourth aspect of the greatest command, and that's to love the Lord with all your might. So like, like the first three, as you can imagine, before we're saved, before we surrender to God, our mind is in its natural state, will influence you to lead you down the wrong path. The way the mind works, it creates an idea and then working in harmony with the heart, it will create an emotion or a reaction um, to what you're feeling and, and yeah, guide you for that. There are many scriptures in the Bible about guarding your mind and your heart as the two work in tight harmony to create emotions and reactions in the human body. So the two work hand in hand. In Romans 8 verse 5, it gives us great insight of a mind that is surrendered to Christ compared to a mind that is not. And it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. If we are living by the flesh and feeding our minds on things of the world, it's going to lead to destruction. With all the TV, movies and everything that's going on in the world these days, the way that the mind will influence the heart is scary what could happen. Um, But if we surrender our minds to Christ, his influence, our thoughts and desires, he creates the emotion in us to be able to love him. With all our mind, all we need... uh, All we need to do is allow Christ to lead our minds to be in a place where where our minds and our heart work in a pure harmony to create a place where we can build a relationship with Christ. The mind is the eyes of the heart. And the heart, and if the heart is the basis of who we are and why we exist, um, it really gives you really insight on how important it is that we feed our minds with Christ and less of what the world is. We need to surrender what the world says and follow Cool. Um, John Piper has three ways that we can keep our minds in check. So the first one is to dedicate our minds to knowing him. So we strive to know him. We strive to know more of him. The second is thinking clearly 
and truly about him so that we don't have any false ideas in our minds. And the next one is not being satisfied with merely an intellectual awareness of his attributes, character and acts, but intentionally developing the mental effort to serve the affections and the emotions for God. Yeah. So, number three, not being satisfied with merely an intellectual awareness of his attributes, character and acts, but intentionally devoting the mental effort to serve the affections, the emotions, for God. So, prayer, the prayer that you can pray into for your mind is Psalm 26.2. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. So we need to surrender ourselves in all that, all these things to be able to keep the greatest commandment of loving the Lord with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. We need, we need to allow Christ to come in, teach us and change aspects in our lives to be able to fully be able to work in his plans and live out that command. But in the end, God has given us free choice. Ultimately, it is our choice to surrender to him, but I'll get into that a bit more in a minute. So what does all this mean? That the covenant of love that Christ is calling us to be in, with him, we must be in it. We need to surrender all the earthly desires. We need to wholeheartedly and allow change in our lives to turn, allowing Christ to shine through us and impact our communities. Our love must be exclusive commitment to our God. We can't be all in three of the four areas or two of the four areas. God wants us to surrender everything to him. Surrender is not in the human nature. We tend to want to fight for things, but we are not called to give up fighting, but instead we're called to surrender to our sinful ways of our life and spend our lives fighting for what Christ has planned for us in his kingdom. In Luke 9, 23-24, Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. When we take up our cross and we wholeheartedly surrender all, we are walking in the calling Christ has for us. We let go of everything and hand it all to God. He can work through us in amazing ways, but all we need to do is make the choice to surrender to him. In the end, it's our choice to surrender what we need to. God has given us uh, free will. He will never force us to let go of, of things. He'll just persuade us. We need to allow God to work in our lives. We need to make the choice of surrendering all so that he can work. It's a good example of letting go and surrendering to God. Um, I've preached out this next chapter before, but there's another part of surrender there. So in Exodus 2 to 4, I'll just give some background before I read it. So we're back with Moses and the burning bush. As you might remember, I, I did a whole preach out of this one. But um, we all know that Moses was arguing with God of why he can't be the one for God to use. 
At that stage, Moses had not surrendered himself to God's will. He was still looking at himself and what he could bring and not what God was going to do for him. But as we read in the verse, it's easy to glance over this next passage as God just showing Moses his power. But there's another part of surrender in these next couple of verses. So it says, Then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. So for the first 40 years of Moses' life, he grew up in Pharaoh's kingdom. For the next 40 years, he was a shepherd. Back in those days, shepherds used to carve their entire life, where they had been, their important places, the things that they had learnt, into their staff. It's like one of us these days keeping a journal to remember important things. So if you looked at a shepherd's staff, you could actually tell a lot about the past of a shepherd. So when God asked Moses what he had in his hand and said to his staff, um, and he said his staff, he was actually saying, this is where I've come from, this is what I know, and this is who I am. So, But God was asking him to trust him and surrender what he had to offer by, by faith. God had a better plan for him and something that only God could achieve for him and God's perfect plan. So it took faith for Moses to throw down his staff. As he was throwing down everything he had learned, who he thinks he was, and allowing God to work in that and allowing God to tell him who he was. And, and God did. God acted. After Moses made that decision to throw down his staff, God acted in power and turned it into a snake. As we see, Moses, as we see, God still gave Moses the three wheel to decide whether he was going to surrender and what he might, what Moses might have seen as something that disqualifies him in his past, um, God was calling him to throw it down. Um, then God took, told Moses to pick the snake up by the tail. We've all been taught that this is a terrible idea when you see a snake to grab it by the tail because it gives the snake full reach and uh, puts it in a position to be able to bite you. But what God is showing Moses here is that things he's called us to might not make sense in the natural, but God has given authority over it in him. All we need to do is surrender all, all we have to him and have faith to surrender it to him and trust him. All we need to do is follow his amazing plan for our life and you won't be disappointed. We all do, do this. We all don't fully allow God in, our, in us because we don't surrender everything to him and let our past, get, we let our past get in the way. We look at, look, we look at what we could do ourselves and not through what God's wanting to do for you and that can hold us back from pure surrender. We need to make the choice to surrender all to God and then like, like with Moses, God waits till Moses made the decision to throw the staff down and surrender it. God will give us all that we need to achieve what he has planned for us. All we need to do is surrender to him and do it God's way, not our way. It might seem insane in the natural, but it's more than possible in God who's given authority in what he has called you to. When we look at the past and say, sorry God, I, I can't do that because I've done this, and you're not living in full surrender. You're believing lies that are not from God and not part of his plan. What you think disqualifies you in the natural God has qualified you in him. 
because he's given you authority what he has called you to. This means laying down your idea of your dreams and our desires and the natural and throwing down that staff, allowing Christ to take reign and the wheel and take us in the course that he has planned for us. Ultimately, it's better than any of our earthly desires. So we have the choice to wholeheartedly surrender all that all our being to Christ or not. God has given us that choice. This this truth means that every closet in our life needs to be open for cleaning. Our relationships in our life must be influenced. This is this call to love God this this way destroys any option of being one person at church and another person out in the world. We need to surrender all that we are to Him and love Him and all that we have. So the final final prayer that pray for you during the week is Psalm one thirty nine, twenty three to twenty four. What is search me God and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offence in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And that is all for today. Thanks guys. Thanks, Mike. One thing you said that really stood out to me is that the heart is not designed to lead, but to be led. I think that's a powerful thought, actually. Um, you just stand up and join me in prayer as we close off the meeting. Father, the whole thought that our heart is not designed to lead but to be led is countercultural. it's counter our experience even it's counter to what everything we've been told by the world and by many well-meaning Christians too about follow your heart Lord I thank you that Mike has just pinpointed that for me this morning that my heart is designed to be led by you So Lord, I pray this morning for myself and for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, would you lead our hearts. We surrender them to you this morning, Lord. We put our hearts, our lives, our minds in your care that you would shape us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would build us up into the people that you have called us to be. Lord, we we ask that when you, uh, when we uh, feel prompted to follow our heart, that you will, uh, that you will just drop that thought into our hearts, that and into our minds, that the heart is designed to be led by you. So unless Lord you are leading, then that is dangerous path to follow. So Lord, we offer our hearts, our lives and our minds to you, our strength. We offer to you, Lord, any areas of our lives that we're not willing to surrender to you at the moment, Lord. We ask that you will make us willing to surrender them. That you will do the work in our hearts and our minds to change us in that way. To make us willing to be led by you, to make us willing to surrender it to you. And we ask, Lord, that you will 
Use all our experiences. Use our stuff, Lord, that we throw on the ground and pick up again. Use that to conform us to the image of Christ more and more each day, each month, each year of our lives. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that you will keep them safe this week, that you will lead them and you will guide them, that you will bring a joy into their hearts this week, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of the pressures and the problems they might face at work or in their friendships or wherever it may be, that you will bring a settled peace and joy into them, that you, Lord, are the sovereign God in control of all things, in control of our lives, in control of circumstances, in control of governments and history, in control of the economy, in control of the weather, Lord. There is nothing that escapes your control. Lord, we pray that you will just give us a peace that regardless of what we see around us this week, that we will have a confidence, Lord, that you are leading, you are guiding, you are protecting, you are strengthening. Lord, we pray that we will gain a greater vision of your Son, Jesus Christ, this week, that he will more uh, fill our minds and our thoughts. Lord, as we pray these various prayers out of your word this week, we pray that he will fill our hearts, fill our minds, fill our thoughts, fill our vision and fill our worship. In his name, Amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au